time for the Crown Report, ladies and gentlemen. Suffolk County Crown Stoppers, 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. That's where all calls indeed kept confidential. And at times, uh, monetary rewards issued for information that will lead to an arrest. Uh, $2,500 up to $10,000, even more. Info that will lead to an arrest. Joe Jacklone, of course, former sergeant, NYPD, 20-year cold case uh, squad, uh, adjunct professor, over at uh, John Jay College, also a best-selling author of the Cold Case Handbook. He's got a hit show, too, on YouTube regarding the uh, Gilligan Beach uh, serial killings. Whereas uh, the Sarge joins us, Joe Jacklone, uh, here on a Friday morning. We say a very good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Jay. How are you? I am well, of course, highlighted this week. Uh, another round of uh, in the courtroom regarding Rex uh, Yorman, another circus. Esaver, Esarella, the estranged wife of uh, of Yorman uh, Sarge, and uh, I tell you, there was some things in that courtroom that were a little odd, uh, including including the defense attorney Michael Brown for Rex Yorman. Lot to uncover here on this morning. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's quite interesting. Like I said. Um... I think now we know why New York doesn't have uh, cameras in the in the <laughs> in the courtrooms because this is this is going to be an absolute an absolute circus. I don't even know if circus is going to be a great adjective or not. It's going to be crazy. Well, you know, here's the deal. So you already had a circus with uh, Israel getting into that uh, courtroom. Listen, uh, she's got some things going in her own life regarding uh, some uh, uh, some highlighting and. Uh, uh, documentation of what's been going on there, uh, maybe for uh, her own economics, but that's a whole uh, another deal. But uh, Michael Brown, uh, Sarge, who represents uh, Rex Yerman, uh, had a couple of things to say uh, during this uh, proceeding in the fact that uh, they were sure the previous DA, that to me means Tim Sini, uh, Almost would have somebody else in play as far as a uh, a suspect is concerned here. That kind of uh, opened my eye a little bit. Well, you know, when when I heard that, I said, "Good, right? It, that's a good thing because when you're doing an investigation, especially one as massive as this and as long as this one's been going on, you're going to develop suspects throughout the case, and your goal as an investigator is always to exclude all others." So when you are investigating a case and you find people that, you know, evidence starts pointing their way and then all of a sudden, like, maybe they don't have the opportunity or there wasn't the motive wasn't there or they couldn't. And you start eliminating people. It shows that it's a good quality investigation in the respect that they had other people that they considered, but because of the evidence didn't point in that direction, they moved on from it. Now, the only thing that you worry about in the case file now is the case documentation. Because, you know, that's where the, the defense attorney is going to be looking into those people and seeing if there's anything open so that he can now step in and say, well, you didn't close this out. You didn't finish investigating this guy. He's the real killer and not my client. So I, I think he didn't do himself any favors by bringing that up right now during this, um, you know, pre-pre-pre-trial stuff. Yeah. Uh, Brown requesting all the investigators' notes. Uh, the prosecution, I plan, they've already handed over, what, 75% of the materials, in addition to paperwork, all the related warrants, photographs, totaling around 14,000, Sarge. And, you know, eh. well, I'll tell you, you know, we always wondered about Tim Sini not being on this particular case. Uh, 
and you'd love to get Sini in a conversation as far as what did Brown mean? You know, what did Brown mean? Who who were you targeting? I mean, what was the deal? And then you're taking off the case, which is a rep, was a revelation to all of us, if you remember. You got to wonder the goings on with the former DA here. Uh, yeah, absolutely right. So he's supposed to have the head of the criminal justice system in Suffolk County who didn't even know that who was involved with the case, and now we're we're questioning. You know, I, you know, listen, Mike Brown here is doing exactly what defense attorneys do. Anybody who really knows the history of this case knows that there are certain points that are in contention. I will we'll bring you back to the, the, the public fight between Dormer and and Spoda, right? So now yep. he's bringing in the fact that there are other people involved. So that's a hint right there of things to come. And also with, with Tim Sini, with Tim Sini having that either moment of amnesia or really not knowing what's going on uh, with, about who, with the case. And now he's mentioning him again. This is all done deliberately. So, Jay, we know this case left and right. So when you hear these things, I, I have, uh, all of a sudden I start, you know, things start popping into my head going, okay, there's the Spoda fight about how many, there's more than one killer. Okay, so he's already setting everybody up for that one. And now he's setting up with Sini not knowing what he was doing. So we're going to watch and listen to him very carefully going forward, Jay, because there are going to be a lot more hints about where he's planning his defense. Right now he's going with the multiple killer theory, and he's going with that the district attorney really didn't know what was going on. Yep, no question about it. Listen, all it takes is one, right? A one juror to, you know, pretty much negate a case. Uh, and that's what Brown's got to be banking on right now. He's He wants to maybe find a loophole or two. Uh, I think deep down, <clears throat> they know they got his client dead to rights here. He's got to find a way to have that one doubt uh, submitted in the mindset of a juror. That's the key here. We'll keep an eye on that. Next court date, Sarge, is uh, February the 6th. Um, yes. A couple of things regarding the mayor, uh, Eric Adams. Uh, he's in some trouble here, Sarge, I'll tell you. You know, <laughs> the campaign stuff, the Turkish government, the consulate, the whole thing, campaign donations. Uh, if if it is true, if it is true, uh, Adams is history, without question. Adams is history. You know, we said the same thing with George Santos. All this stuff, you know, you can put anything you want in your resume, not true. Okay, we get it. Once you start fiddling around with dollars, campaign stuff, you're cooked. I said that from day one, and look what Santos is right now. If it is true regarding this mayor, uh, it does not bode well, his future. No, I, I agree with you. Um, and I think it was a bad move that he just dropped uh, the White House on its head and flew, you know, I don't know, flew back or either drove fast back to get to New York because this was breaking. I think that was a not a good look, right? It looked like somebody who was trying to, you know, control the narrative and, and see what's going on over there instead of just finishing up what he had to do with the migrant crisis and then go back and, and, and make himself look calm, cool, and collected. I think that was not a good move. Yeah, and in regards to campaign finance, we know money is, 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 is you know, there's a trail always leaves. Yeah, Santos is in trouble with all that too. You know, OnlyFans accounts and spending thousands of dollars on this and that, you know, that and the other thing. So, yeah, the mayor is unfortunately in a um, in a position where he could be ousted if um, if any of this rings to be true. Especially when you're dealing with foreign governments, it's it's an absolute mess. The politics in New York are an absolute mess, and people keep on voting the same way. So, you know, it is what it is. Joe, he's in way over his head. Everything he has done, 
Uh, just those tomatoes, it makes sense. You know, is he the worst mayor ever? No, the Blasio obviously is. Is he that of uh, uh, of the great old David Dinkins? Uh, you know, maybe Dinkins actually could be better than Adams. You know, back in the day. I mean, it's, listen, Adams is doing a horrendous job. Horrendous job. And now, you know, freezing the hiring of the NYPD for the foreseeable future. He's canceling academy classes, Sarge, part of the budget cuts he blames. You know, on the billions of dollars being sent to, you know, house feeding care for these foreign migrants here. But again, you know, I put some of the onus on himself. Sanctuary City, uh, not uh, speaking directly to the powers that be who make these type of decisions, dancing around a little. He's gotten a little bit better in that regard. Floyd Betterfield, the latest uh, situation involved in Brooklyn. I mean, listen, you know, you are the, the head man here. You are the head man of New York City. It's the largest city in the United States of America. Okay? Handle it. Please, handle it properly. You don't get any of that from Adams. And thus, this is why his budget is in trouble and all that's going on here. I mean, to me, this is a derivative of poor leadership, what's going on. Right, but we're going to have a street renaming for Wu-Tang Clan, right? Because this is where his priorities are. He is more yeah, interested more in the nightlife. Yeah, the swagger and the nightlife and the, and the dressing up fancy than he's actually uh, about governing and being able to do things. Uh, hey, listen, <laughs> politics in New York has is, is been an absolute disaster over the last 20 years, and it's just it just seems to be getting worse. Just when you thought that maybe, just maybe you had somebody that could help turn around New York City and you find out all this other stuff and you just kind of lose hope. You do. You really do, especially after yesterday with Governor Kathy Hochul signing signing off on clean slate, Sarge, uh, you know, yep. wiping away records from way back, those who committed heinous acts. I mean, if that is not a prime example, and I'll speak more about that with State Senator Dean Murray coming up uh, in a couple of minutes, but uh, in essence, uh, that's what you got. I mean, that that is a prime example of what is wrong with New York City, with New York politics, when you have a governor do that type of act? Well, here's my question about it. If, I, if you ever get a chance to speak to the governor or anybody in her staff about this clean slate, I'm sure you're trying to get somebody on, but here's my question that you, you need to ask. Does this mean now, after clean slate, when the person gets arrested again, that it counts as the first time arrested, and therefore it doesn't count as recidivism? Because that's what they did to us with the bail reform acts, uh, you know. So this is something we need to know. Because if they're going to treat another offense uh, when somebody has had a clean slate already as no no longer recidivism, and then they turn around and tell us that recidivism rates have dropped since we passed this law, I mean, it's just a it's just a sham. You know, Joe. Here's the bottom line: uh, if you're a parent, you have a right to know who's driving your kids to school. Okay. If that individual committed an act way beyond, I'm sorry, you have a right to know. I mean, that is the whole purpose here. You know, there are certain things in life which must be transparent. This is one of them. I'm sorry. It is. You're not, I mean, I understand you label a person for his misdeeds on the open. And as far as discretionary practices used, as far as hiring is concerned, that is up to the employer. But in a situation of this nature, everybody has a right to know as far as the past is concerned. I'm sorry. That's the way it has to be. I agree. And, and here's the other thing, right? So you open up 
uh, let's just take your analogy, right? You open up that school bus agency or that company up to the lawsuits now because they hired this guy and they didn't know. And, you know, it's going to cause so much turmoil and and trouble for, for companies. And, and, you know, oh, my God, it's just going to be – we're not talking about minor offenses here now. We're not talking about, you know, the guy got caught shoplifting and stuff like that. I mean, there's some serious felonies on this list that um, it's just going to be crazy. Now, the sex offenses, I don't know exactly if they're being included uh, in this whole clean slate, too. I have to do a little more research on that. But if they are, this is a terrible law. That's an awful move. It really is. We'll talk more again with Dean Murray coming up in a couple. of Sarge with us, the crime report. All right, Joe, a couple of things. Uh, the mother of Thomas Valva rejecting an offer from Suffolk to settle that lawsuit against officials that she alleged ignored. Years of warnings, abuse, beating, station, neglect, you name it, all in play regarding eight-year-old autistic uh, boy, uh, the boy who uh, died, young Thomas there, January 2020. You know, you know, the county offered a $3 million. I mean, that is an absolute joke, okay? $3 million? Are you kidding me? For all that went on there, all the warning signs missed by pretend the administration couldn't get out of their own way regarding this stuff. And you have the you-know-what to only offer this woman $3 million? $3 million? Damn right she rejected it, rightfully so, such. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, we, we know so much about the mishandling of that case and the government's uh, role in, in, in actually, you know, government meaning because it's a government agency. Uh, yeah, three million dollars was was not the um, was not a good offer. I mean, she's going to get double that or more. That is the most insulting. Th- I tell you, it is. You lose a child, you lose all, and and that's what you can muster on. How offensive is that? How humiliating! It must have been for that woman to have received this. Rightfully so, she said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, no way." You know, that's that's just typical. Typical Suffolk County and how they're handling this type of stuff. Typical. That is an absolute disgrace. There. Uh, you want to? You want to up that off at time seven? Maybe. Maybe. We'll talk. Okay. Maybe we'll talk. What do you think? The woman doesn't have any lawyer fees that she has to present. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. Lost a child. One damaged severely. I mean, it's 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 unfathomable. But again, I'm not surprised. Uh, the well, Sarge with us. How it was handled. Go ahead, Sarge. Say again. Yeah, and considering how the case was handled. And it's terrible. How many times, yeah. How many times did they go out? How many warning signs? How many flags? The school. The stained clothes. The sneakers. Into the garbage can looking for crumbs. That's all you can muster? Three million bucks? Are you kidding me? Oh, I read that. My head spun around. Sarge with us, the crime report. Five people now facing charges, Joe, for their role in a complex scheme to smuggle fentanyl into the Suffolk County Jail in Riverhead. Uh, and what they did was they used pieces of paper disguised as legal documents. Now, we had Ray Tinney on the other day, and this is, you know, prior one for him. Uh, besides the Gilgo stuff, obviously. Uh, and that is fentanyl. You know, if you distribute fentanyl, 
and deaths arise based on it, guess what? You are going to prison for a very, very... This is the case here now, five facing charges, Sarge. Exactly. This is you know, a great case. That they even you know, they said they try to use this unsuspecting defense attorney to deliver it to boot. Um, it's, it's just going to show you that. Talk about gall, right? Inside the Suffolk County Jail. So, boy, this was um, this was a good catch. And you know what? Everybody needs to pat themselves on the back on this. First of all, you have a closed-end community in the jail cell, and now you're, you're delivering this deadly narcotic inside it. I mean, it could have been an absolute disaster in there. So, um, and you know, when we're talking about a bunch of 30-year-olds and a couple of 20-year-olds that were involved in this. So it's, I think everyone should read the, the criminal complaint because it's actually kind of, um, it's crazy. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, uh, you know, it is what it is as far as uh, this type of stuff. Uh, Joe, the book we know is off the charts, the Cold Case Handbook. It's a great book, folks, if you haven't gotten it. You know, it's cases like Gilgo that kind of represent the book. You know, cases that have been dormant, cases that have been resuscitated, and uh, all kinds of technology and everything else in play. Of course, the Sarge was a 20-year 20 20 guy in the Bronx based on that with cold cases. But the book is uh, is uh, still doing well, I am sure, my friend. Give me a, give me a sense. Yes, uh, book sales are doing well. Um, I'm getting some calls from different police departments now and some inquiries from uh, some college campuses. So it's uh, it's been out now since ooh, late April. So it's it's starting to catch on, and, and I've been doing a little of my own marketing, right? Doing some talks and mentioning it, and you know, hawking the book while I'm there. So uh, it's uh, it's been a fun time so far. Uh, and I also remember I had the, the fourth edition of the other book come out almost around the same time. So I've been doing all this different crazy stuff uh, that I'm not usually uh, good at, so to speak. I'm not good at the self promotion stuff, but um, it, it, it's working pretty well. It is something's going right. Uh, and, of course, I know it's going right regarding that YouTube show you got going on. Gilgo, give me a sense of that. What's going on there? Yeah, well, today we're, uh, we're going to approach. We'll probably pass the 3,000 subscriber mark. Um, we, I think we had 20,000 hours of watch time on the, on the show in the last seven days alone. So it is definitely catching on. It's, uh, it's doing ten times better than I ever thought it would gonna, was going to do. And, uh, you know, a couple of new interesting guests, like tomorrow I have Anjanette Levy from the Lauren Crime Network. Uh, she's going to be on. She's a reporter in a, in a, in a, uh, for a couple of different shows on Lauren Crime, and I got to know her over the last couple of years, so she's going to come on. Uh, Mary Murphy from Channel 11 will be on in the future, so we we got some fun guests coming. Awesome stuff. you got to check it out on the YouTube uh, channel. And, uh, Sarge, where, where does one go? Where does uh, one go to look that up? Yeah, so you just go to YouTube and you just type in my name, Joseph Jackalone, and you'll find it. Or you can type in True Crime with the Sarge. Either way, you'll find me. And um, if you can you subscribe to the page where uh, I'm sick shy of 3,000 right now as we speak. Well, consider it done because I got my Uncle Shelley and Jan uh, and Iris, uh, cousins Johnny and Rich right now listening uh, from the Carolinas, and they are all texting me right now they're logging on so you got your six <laughs> there you go that's fun you are all set the Sarge and the crime report uh 1-800-220-TIPS 
Uh, listen, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll talk over the weekend. Thanks again. Have a great weekend, Jake. You got it. Lots happening there.